0: You're listening to the Strategies at Work podcast for February 2015. Today's episode is titled, Prayer as a Business Discipline. In the context of church-related activities, prayer is a pedestrian practice for most genuine Christians. There is a willingness and expectation to connect with God through prayer. The workplace is the purview of God and is therefore rooted in spiritual reality. God has a will for every person and organization. And God has ways that He wants His will executed in the workplace. Therefore, management and workers must seek the will and ways of God through the discipline of meaningful prayer. For an organization to find and fulfill its purpose and deliver an excellent value proposition, the organization must be devoted to the discipline of prayer as an integral part of the lives of management and each worker. And now Dr. Chester brings us the message titled, Prayer as a Business Discipline.
1: So our text today is Colossians chapter 4, uh, verses 2 through 6, and we're continuing our discussion of Colossians. Remember, Colossians is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from Rome when he was in prison to the church at Colossae, which was in Asia, and they were probably some 1,000 miles apart in terms of just geographically where they were located, and Paul had never been to Colossae and had never met these people But his spiritual son, Epaphras, had founded the church. And Epaphras apparently was visiting Paul at this time, which prompted Paul to write the letter based on the reports he was getting from Epaphras. And apparently Epaphras was going to carry the letter back with him to Colossae. And the book is built around a very interesting approach. Uh, Chapter 1, Paul really wants to get a clear view of theology presented. So he presents Christ as Lord and all the supremacy and the deity and the power and the omniscience and the plan and purpose of Christ with great clarity and ends that chapter pointing out that what what Paul is all about in his life is about bringing everybody into alignment with the will and ways of God. And this is, of course, the theme of the Strategic Life Alignment message is bringing everyone to alignment with the will and ways of God for their lives. Then in chapter 2, he goes into discussing the philosophies that flow from theology. And of course, if your theology is based on Christ, there's only one correct philosophy, and that is Christianity. Christianity is a philosophy of life rooted on Christ. There's no other correct philosophy. We have a lot of competing philosophies today, a lot of... uh, pseudo-philosophies and Paul calls these fine-sounding arguments and he says don't be deceived by those fine-sounding arguments and spends all of chapter 2 really admonishing us to get clear on a Christian philosophy of life from philosophy flows values and in chapter 3 he starts talking about the value system that flows from Christianity And he also points out that our default value system, because of the fallen nature of man, is not Christian. It is worldly. It is anti-Christian. And so now, through the power of the Spirit, we have been given the ability to, to put off that which is inconsistent with Christ and to take on that which is consistent with Christ. So he's saying take on biblical values, particularly love, which is the seminal of all values. And of course, love is not an emotion, biblical love is not an emotion, it is sacrificial living. It's doing what's in someone's highest good, meaning, helping that person line up with the will and ways of God, no matter what it costs me. So that's the presentation he gives, and that the value system that he presents leads to a seminal principle. You see, values have to be expressed through principles. And the seminal principle is given to us in Colossians chapter three, verse seventeen, where he says, "Whatever you speak and whatever your your work is, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." Now I paraphrase that, but I believe my paraphrase is true to the intent and meaning of the text. We're to speak and work as a representative of Christ. So the answer to the question is always what would Christ do and the answer is Christ would line up with the will and ways of God. So everything in life is about discerning the will of God and doing His will according to His ways. That's what it means to live and to, to practice Christianity in the name of Christ. So principles then are expressed through practices starting in verse 18 of chapter 3 Paul starts talking about the practices of Christianity. Now, he starts out talking about the family, the husbands and the wives and the children. And then he went into talking about workers. And finally, he talked about bosses in chapter 4, verse 1. So, flowing from chapter 4, verse 1, you know, we're flowing now into another practice that clearly has application for everything that's gone before. It's the practice of prayer. And prayer is something we must do as husbands and wives, as parents, as workers, as bosses. In every area of life, we should be people of prayer. So we want to talk, take some time and talk about prayer specifically. And if we have time, I want to talk about the, the outflow of a prayer life, which is learning how to live wisely and obviously, prayer is very important to learning how to live wisely through wise time management and wise use of our tongues. So let me read the text, and then we'll, uh, we'll spend some time talking about it and see how far we can get today. Colossians 4, verses 2 through 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak and walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Now this uh, first two here where he talks about continue earnestly in prayer. This word for continue is an interesting Greek word. It's a compound word uh, from the word pros, which means to or toward, and kartorio, which means strong or steadfast. In fact, Greek the way they a lot of words are put together is they they build off a core word and in this case the core word is katero which comes from the word for strong so this word here continue in English doesn't really carry the significance of the Greek word the Greek word here really is about about being toward strong it's being strengthened It's being doing things with great strength and great steadfastness. So perseverance is one way to look at it not fainting. Uh, Not fainting here would suggest not fainting even though you're exhausted even though you're fatigued even though you have no strength and no energy you do not faint you keep pressing in. And of course I think a great picture of this is when Jesus took us uh, Peter, James and John to the up to pray with him before he, he died on the Mount of Olives. And he knew what was coming, but they didn't. And you remember he told him, he said, uh, you know, come and, and pray with me. Now Jesus was not it's interesting, you know, why he would do that. He was he was not saying, I need you to pray for me. I'm gonna go pray. He's saying you need to pray for yourself. And you need to pray for yourself because things are going to happen tonight They're going to be very difficult for you, and you need to be prayed up. You need to be strengthened in the Lord. Prayer is a way that we get strengthened in the Lord. And so we have to take the power he's given us and persevere and press in and be diligent about pursuing prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but I I see over and over again people treat prayer very casually. Uh, it's like, well, you know, it's just something you do on Sunday. It's not really part of their lifestyle. Well, I think it's very clear here that the Apostle Paul's picture is prayer is a very integral part of being truly a faithful follower of Christ. It's a way to express humility. In fact, the very word for prayer here is, again, a compound word, and you see that same prefix, pros, and then the second word, is eukomai, y- which is prayer or wish. So, anytime you take a word and you put a prefix to it, you're intensifying that word in some way. And so, the stress in this particular word for prayer—and by the way, this is not the only word for prayer in Scripture—but in this particular word, the stress is about really, you know, turning to the Lord. It's to Him. So it's looking to him, it's leaning upon him, it's seeking him, it's, it's, it's seeking understanding from him. So there's a very intense intentional sense of this. And he uses another word here to even make it even more intense. He uses the word Gregorio. We get the word Gregory from Gregorio. Gregorio has to do with being a watchman, giving strict attention. The word Greg or Gregory means someone who is a watchman. So he's using this sense of watchman here, pointing out, implying that there is a battle. We're engaged in a battle. You know, many people think when they come to Christ, it's just going to be easy. It's just, hey, this takes care of all my problems. I have my fire insurance policy. I'm going to heaven, and now I can go live the way I want to live. Many people approach Christianity as simply, you know, a, a ticket to heaven so now I can live the way I want to live so I can sin and do whatever because I'm forgiven I'm free and people hear the the comments like uh, you know Paul says in second Corinthians where the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom and when they hear that word freedom they think well now I can do whatever I want to do that's not freedom the freedom of scripture, is freedom from sin to be a servant of Christ. All it means to say you're free in Christ is that you've been freed from serving sin and Satan to now you're serving Christ. That's what freedom really is. Well, one of the keys to living freely as a servant of Christ is we have to practice the discipline of prayer. Remember, we're talking about practices here. This is a spiritual discipline, and it has to be done with great endurance, great perseverance, great faithfulness, it's got to be done with a sense of battle, that we're in in war, and the enemy's trying to disrupt our attempts to walk in the will and ways of God, and we have to be vigilant about prayer. One of the things that's happened with with Carol and I is we've gotten more vigilant about prayer, and we now pray more and more. We find ourselves praying more and more. It seems like each year we're doing it more. And we're faithfully doing it virtually every morning, praying for each other. Even if we're really tight on time, we could always just take a moment and we could pray. And we're showing perseverance and steadfastness and a commitment to prayer. And prayer is an act of humility. So we're looking to the Lord for guidance and direction and wisdom and counsel, protection, strength. All of those things are what we need to be able to be his servant. To be free from sin and death and the forces of evil to serve Christ is an ongoing battle, and prayer is one of your, your most effective practices. So I, I love what was said earlier about how uh, Maria was challenged to be praying and asking the Lord, how do I love my daughter? Great prayer. And we need to be praying about everything. How do I love my wife? How do I love my colleagues? How do I love the Christian community? How do I serve the Christian community? How do I fight the battles of dysfunctionality and leadership? All of these things we need to be holding these things up in prayer, being vigilant, being vigilant. And he just, you know, just he has a, a number of intense words here, ma- making making it clear that prayer should be something that we really be a focal point of our lives. Some of the translations say, you know, earnestly devote yourself to prayer. And I find that most people, when you begin talking about it on this level, it's a foreign idea. Because prayer is generally done on Sunday morning by the pastor. He does a pastoral prayer. And for many people, that may be their only prayer all week. Or maybe they just do a a little prayer before a meal. Or maybe when something is really difficult, they might do a prayer. But they don't have a a habit of regularly, consistently, daily, almost moment by moment, being in prayer to the Father, seeking his will and his ways. And as we do it, do it with thanksgiving. It's it's a very interesting play on words in the Greek language here, how he expresses it. You'll see this word um, where he talks about, let me just read the whole verse and point this out to you. Continue in prayer. Earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Well, that that word in it is the Greek word in. That's that's the uh, you can see the word on your screen there. In it and then with thanksgiving actually is the same Greek word in. So it's in it in thanksgiving. That's the sense of it. So you're being vigilant. You are and vigilant. This word here is is is, it, uh, is a is a word that's related to Gregoria. It's not exactly Gregorio, but it's inferred from Gregor, Gregor. Excuse me. It's inferred from Gregorio. So being vigilant in it and with and being in thanksgiving is a key element to really how you properly pray. Now think about that. If you're If you're basically praying only when you feel like you have a need to pray, which is when things are not going the way you want it to go, then you're probably not all that thankful. But if you make prayer a lifestyle, a daily habit, a pattern for dealing with all of life, then you learn to be more thankful. And you realize that when God sends you a a challenging situation, hey, he's in it. He's in it to train you, to teach you, to mold you, to, to get you the way he wants you to be so you can do what he's called you to do. That's the way he works. God is all about redeeming us, transforming us, aligning us, preparing us for eternity, using this existence as a training ground to put the stewardship skills and the skills of maturity in us so we know how to walk in the will and ways of God. So prayer is absolutely essential if we're going to stay connected with him, aligned with him, and walk out the reality of being in him. Then in verse 3, he talks about a prayer request. Now, if you go back to verse chapter 1, we Paul started out talking about how he prayed and thanked the Lord for the Colossians because of their faith, hope, and love. So that's how he started. And then, right after he talks about that, he talks about how, another prayer he's praying he's actually praying more than one prayer for them and the the other prayer he's praying is that they would and he pray it says he prayed this continually i pray that you would be filled with a knowledge of his will now just think about that have you prayed that prayer recently for yourself or for anyone to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding wow we don't generally pray that. Generally we pray prayers of God, would you fix this? Would you take care of that relational problem? Would you bring in the money? Would you heal this person here? We pray prayers of you know very they're very superficial in many cases mostly based on physical reality. We're not praying for the spiritual reality of the heart because we don't think at that level. And the reality is that if I have the right heart I can face anything in the natural. But if we don't pray for the right heart, the natural is going to be chaotic and difficult and challenging. So Paul is saying in the first chapter of Colossians, my prayer is to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Get your heart right. And when your heart is right, he said there are four things that will happen. Okay? You will be able to live a life that, that pleases the Lord. Okay, You will grow in the knowledge of God. You will be strengthened with perseverance and endurance for the race, and you will be joyfully thankful. Those are the things that will flow from a person being filled with the knowledge of God. So in that with that kind of person, circumstances, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. I'm so full of Christ and so aligned with him. Bring it on. Whatever the circumstances are, that's fine. You know, because That's just not relevant. What's relevant is my relationship with Christ is so rich, so full, so clear, so aligned that circumstances are just nothing. They're just little light and momentary afflictions, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, which are not worthy to be compared with the eternal weight of glory. So this is the way Paul is praying for the Colossians. Now, here in chapter 4, he's giving them a prayer request for himself even if i am filled with the knowledge of the will of god which i think paul really was he said i do i do have a prayer request that you could pray for me pray also for us he's actually talking about not only himself but those he's walking with his spiritual sons that are with him pray also for us that god would open us open to us a door for the word that's an interesting statement open us up a door for the word now that's, that's a door of opportunity for the Word, and obviously the Word is a reference to Christ because the word logos is used of Christ in John 1, where it talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, Word with God, and the Word was God. Well, that's the word logos. Christ is the logos. So he says specifically here, the Word. He didn't say the words. He said the Word, that God gives an open door for the Word. That is the Christ that's in him to speak the mystery of Christ, which I'm also in chains. Now, this mystery of Christ is a reference to the fact that that the reality of Christ was hidden during the Old Testament times. And now in the New Testament times, it's manifest. We see it more clearly. So he's saying, I'm now declaring this mystery that was hidden in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm bringing it to light. I'm explaining it. And I need open doors, because there are many people that are not open at all. Now, for many of us, we think, "Wow, that's a great prayer. I, that's what I need to open doors, too. But you need to know it's just not open doors to make more money, or open doors to build you know, better monuments to yourself or just do things that you want to do. It's an open door for the Christ that's in you to come forth now and touch other people. That's what he's praying for. And then he says something very interesting, for which I also am in chains. Now, you could take that to mean, well, I'm in prison. But actually, the, the word that's used there is not chains. It's the word deo, which means to bind or put under an obligation or duty. I think perhaps what Paul is saying here is this is what I have an obligation or duty to do. This is my calling. This is my destiny. This is my life purpose. Everything in my life has been leading me up and preparing me to deliver this word about Christ that Christ has put in me with increasing clarity and conviction to those I've been called to serve. He's talking about his life purpose, and he has a duty. I am bound by my duty to do this. I think that is the sense of it, which is a great picture for us. We need to get a conviction of what we are by—we're bound by duty to do. What is it God has created you to do specifically? Can you identify it? And he's put enough of himself in you to go do it. But you can see, as Paul is modeling here, I need a lot of prayer. I need a lot of prayer to discover it. And furthermore, it's not just an open door that I need. He goes on to say, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That's verse 4. In other words, he's saying the open door is not enough. I need the grace to deliver the word well. I need wisdom, discernment. Now here, this is a seasoned speaker. This is a seasoned teacher at the end of his life, at the prime of his game. And he said, I need the strength of Christ to help me know how to deliver him, how to deliver Christ to the people I've been called to serve, how to do what God has called me to do well. So what you? this is a great SLA prayer as we help people get lined up with the will and ways of God to understand it's not good enough to have an open door. I must have strength to deliver the value proposition God has given me to deliver and to deliver it with excellence, that I may make it manifest. That is, the word about Christ that's in Paul and the word that's in you, you need to make it manifest, that is, through your life and through your speaking. As I ought, and again, this is as I'm obligated by duty to do, it's that same word in the previous verse that was translated in chains, but here now it's translated ought to speak. In other words, your words need to reflect the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory. You need to be speaking what you speak, to whom you're supposed to speak it, how you're supposed to speak it, when you're supposed to speak it, where you're supposed to speak it, to accomplish the purpose of God. This is all about alignment with the will and ways of God. This is prayer of alignment. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to pray this kind of prayer over ourselves and over others and ask others to pray for us. It's not good enough to pray for a door of opportunity. We need to pray for the grace to deliver our value proposition with great excellence, just like the Apostle Paul did. So may God give us the grace to do that well in Jesus name.